Yep. It must have been kind of wild for you coming into a church in New York City. <laughs> I, I didn't really know much about Limelight. I'd heard more about Twilo and stuff, and I'd been to Vinoff to, to go to Body and Soul. And then Limelight, it was a, I don't even know how I could actually secured it, but we, we were we were away for, they'd done it two or three times. I only done it once. I had something on the other time. I never went. And and I went to Limelight and, and I'd heard, just heard. And then when I got there, I was like, what the? F-? And it was a, it was a church. And it was, it was crazy. It was absolutely crazy. And it was St. Patrick's Day where everybody seems to be Irish on St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> I had, I had like, we Asian guys and, and, and Chinese guys coming up to me with a, a face painted and, and, and a tricolour and claiming to have that their, their mum and dad were Irish. And I was like, so it was, it was fun. It was, it was a great trip. Um, but here's the thing about that. And here's a question funny on, on off colour. Is it, is it in the same as in the UK as America? Like corned beef is the big thing that, that day, St. Patrick's Day. Are you guys eating corned beef as well? No. <laughs> I, have, I have no idea what that actually is. So we, we're obviously, we're, much of St. Patrick's Day is still big here. Beef, I mean, so. We're, obviously, we're obviously, obviously Scottish. So St. Andrew's Day is probably a bigger day. Rabbi Burns Day is probably a bigger day. Do you know Rabbi Burns? <laughs> Rabbi Burns is a Scottish poet who does poems, and it's just a very big Scottish thing. It's probably the biggest Scottish thing, and 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 that we that we celebrate. They they get the haggis out, the haggis get piped in, and they cut the haggis, and they do these Scottish poems and everything's. Everybody's basically just hammered on whiskey and, and drinks haggis, basically. That's what okay. happens. So colours right. colors, colors went for years and they had residencies throughout uh, loads of cities and they achieved some absolutely huge things. Uh, residency and the, the Arches is probably the highlight for me. You you played the Arches. Yes. The Arches was a type of place where you, you felt it when you go in and you could drop a kick drum and it, there you go. That, that's it. That, that's the queue. So you can see the queues going straight down there, right away down the bottom, and that's it coming back up the other side. So if it's raining, no problem. You're covered. Yeah. You're so you're actually under the under Glasgow Central Station there. That's right. And then there's a famous club just around the corner from it, which is the Sub Club. The Sub Club's very very well known, uh, and it probably has the longest standing residence ever for every single Saturday night since maybe 1990, and it's Harry and Dominic, and they have they're been residents. In the they're still the residents today? Yep. Wow. The sound system is incredible in the sub-club, uh, and it's a very underground vibe. It's just it's just, a, it's just a great. That's like saying... You street Rave do nights, isn't it? Street Rave do nights. The yeah, night. thing is, on, let's just let's give everyone a perspective of how long this is. You're talking about a club since 1990. We are now in 2022. That is 32 years every Saturday going. <laughs> now check this out. Usually you do 30 years at a job and you retire. <laughs> <laughs> These guys are still there. Um, but, wow. They, 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 have, they have their own style uh, and they have their own crowd. But, but the, the, the young crowd come through and look at these two guys as well as iconic legends. So you'll hear more 
about the young team. We call them the young team. The young guys coming through who have heard about the Asset House shares, have heard about the sub club, have heard about how iconic, how iconic these things are, and they want to come and experience what they've heard. And that's how it just regenerates and regenerates. So wow. it's been a difficult time for it. It's been a very difficult time due to the COVID thing. Difficult to everyone, but it still goes to this day. Incredible. Incredible. So you got the sub club, you got the arches. Is the arches still going? The arches closed, unfortunately, uh, maybe five years ago. The police had sort of been after it for a while, as they do every successful big event. Every Let me show some pictures of the arches so that people can reminisce. So here we go. We have this one. Yeah. The arches was, was basically a club underneath Glasgow Central Station, and it was actually Stone Arches. That's me and Frankie Knuckles. Mm -hmm. And it had maybe five, six, seven arches, and you had maybe two or three different clubs in there. And the the clubs, the the clubs were, were so different, but they were all just the same philosophy. One love, one dance floor is, is the thing I always say. But you had techno clubs, which you had slam. You had inside out, which would be more in the hard house, more in the cheese, cheesier sound with judge duels and stuff. And then you would have colours we would do. Sasha, Digweed, uh, Pete Tong, Anthony Papa, Eric Marillo, that sort of thing. That's where we would be, David Morales. Um, but the beauty of the arches was you could have two or three different styles. In, in the whole place. But if anybody, anybody who ever played the Arches, and you can ask anybody who's ever played, they loved the Arches because it was it was absolutely nuts. The Scottish crowd lived Monday to Friday with shit lives, shit lives. Monday to Friday, the, 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 it rains, it's grey, they live shit jobs, and then it comes to the weekend. And they, they, it's like a competition to see how mad they can go and they let loose and the Scottish crowd for festivals to clubs to anything and yeah, I don't know if you know the Scottish the Scottish chant here we here we here we go so the whole crowd where, wherever it is anywhere it could be Calvin Harris at Teen the Park with 40,000 people in front of him and the chant there's a chant that says here we here we here we f and go and everybody is notorious Guys like Showtech, Showtech made a track called Here We Fucking Go. Sorry. That's uh, all right. That's okay. and, and they just, everybody talks about this chant. I remember I was I was DJing live on Radio 1. I was doing it, the, I'm doing it with Dave Pierce. We've done it live at Irvine Beach. And it went live across the world at seven, six o'clock at night. And the crowd started chanting, Here We, Here We, Here We Fucking Go. And Dave's like going, what are they saying? I was like, oh, it's fine. Oh, he's right. English. And he I can't understand, he understand it. He's like, because you couldn't hear what they were singing. It's like, it's crazy. I heard that. I know what you're saying, because I wouldn't have known either. I'd have been like, oh, they're happy. Yeah. <laughs> I, it's, it's a, it's a, I think it's a Scottish thing for, we don't know the words to the track, but we'll just say something anyway. <laughs> so, uh, and it's notoriously well-known, and every single guy who came up from David Guetta to the Swedish House Mafia to every every big name, every big major name who's come and played at the Arches, every single DJ in the world has came and played at the Arches. 
Um, and they would say, what they saying? What they saying? Yeah, they I go, remember that now. I think I remember And then that. they go, really? And they go, yes. I personally, I'm, I'm not a big fan of it, but it does add atmosphere to what is going on in the club. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. So that, that's... DJs have used it in their productions after it. DJs have, have always commented that and anybody who's played there usually gets, oh, have you heard about the chant? Have you heard about the chant? Here we, here we, here we fucking go. H and they're actually writing it. HWFG, they're writing it up for everybody to know. Yep. But look at the size <laughs> of the crowd. Could you imagine? Look at the size of that crowd and them screaming that out to you. You know that, that is Brayhead Arena and colours do a thing there every single year. That's a five arena thing and it's called Colours Fest. It's been going for, I don't know, maybe 20 years. 20 years. Uh, Colours always like to do bigger events, bigger festivals. They've done a thing called EH1. They've done a thing called Live at Loch Lomond, which was a two-day festival thing. They had likes of, uh, they had the Sex Pistols. <laughs> uh, but that is a Brayhead Arena. That's me at Archie's a few years back. I know if you had this guy up there, for sure. Carl Cox is, is part of the Street Dave and the Colours family. Uh, we have went, <laughs> here's a funny story. Here's a very funny story. So Ricky booked Carl Cox thinking it was a white girl. Carol Cox? Yep. Wait a minute. Let me understand this correctly. He didn't know that Carl was a black Englishman and, and, and a big big guy. And he thought he thought Carl Cox was a white girl. <laughs> but <laughs> Ricky, Ricky and, uh, and and Carl are, are best buddies. Absolutely. They're they're rock solid, which has been just due to the, the the relationship they've had through the years. And Carl always comes and plays for us. He played he played played colours, he played maybe about two months, three, no, sorry, about four or five, six months ago, they played at SWG3. SWG3 is the club that has taken over basically from the Archies when the Archies closed down. The Archies closed down about five, six years ago due to, I say, the police, they were after it and they used a lot of wrong evidence to get it closed and they closed it. It is now operating as a food court site of thing. But I think they do private functions in it as well. I was actually in it about three weeks ago, DJ in it for for somebody's birthday party. Uh, it's Julie, Julie, who's, who's uh, runs Colours as well with Ricky. It was her fiftieth, and she had hired the Archies, and it was quite weird going into the Archies. I bet it was it was absolutely surreal. Um, yeah. So the Archies, the Archies closed. I think it was five six years ago. I don't really know, and then this new club was there but everybody seems to have moved up to this place SWG3 but the good thing about SWG3 is that they always expand they always any money that's I think's made or whatever they get the money they, they develop and they develop and they develop and they've create, come from one room up the stairs to there's probably six, seven rooms eight rooms now with a galvanizer's room that they, they created that, that can hold 2,000 people. They bought the yard outside, which they can have concerts there. It's now a concert club, multi-purpose venue. It is phenomenal. It is absolutely phenomenal. 
But it's not the Archies. That's all. It's a great place. It's a great place. But the, just because it's dear to my heart, the Archies is, is, is my place. So I can understand that because I remember how sweaty those walls were in Archies. <laughs> I remember well, that. That would probably be the time when smoking was allowed as well. Yeah. That was and you came out and it was dripping off the roof and, and all this stuff. It was pretty pretty disgusting, but oh Jesus, it was disgusting. Oh. But you know what? It's part of the part of the job. No, that, that's it. That that that's that's it. That's a that's part of the job. Yeah, exactly. So let's take a look. So here we go. Todd Terry. This is an SWG three. This is that's me and Todd. Uh, Danny and David. This is this is uh, this is as an Ibiza. Um, I know Danny pretty well. David's David. I know I know David, but David's David's David. I want to. Ricky, they're, they're good buddies. We'll Ricky has a great relationship with all these guys. He's worked with them for absolutely years, and he's a he's a great relationship. I think we were the only probably the people in Scotland who would book these guys, and they would come back again and again because we had looked after them. They had come to a great party. They had been to a great club, and they were probably looked after at the after party as well. <laughs> sure. Let me show something back to what these guys were doing things in the early days. Look at this. They were at Cafe Mambo before this was even like the place to be. So Let's the story of Cafe Mambo, Cafe Mambo is obviously world famous. Cafe Mambo was built by a Scottish woman called Caroline and her Spanish husband called Javier. And they built it. Uh, they bring the two boys run it now uh, who are Alan and oh, I can't mean that man's name they run it but, but yeah. there's a huge Scottish input in there you can hear the two boys have half a Scottish accent as well I heard it I know I hear it from them so they have they, there's a big Scottish thing and we were invited down to play there before it became big before they, they extended out before Cafe, Mam, Cafe Del Mar extended out before it became commercial and it was just great no big sign yet. No big no. sign, nothing, nothing. <laughs> no, no, no tables on the rocks where they have all that set up. It's I, right there. I can remember sitting on the rocks early, uh, just outside Cafe Del Mar, listening to Jose Padilla or, or Alfredo or somebody else who were really big influences in my, my, my DJ career. Um, and sitting there contemplating the meaning of life and, and maybe they'd be playing some strings or something would be gone and sitting, the sun's going down and you're thinking, could I become a hippie? <laughs> I'll become a hippie. I'm not going back to that work. I'm, it's not happening. I'm not going back to the rat race. And the, you know when you're a kid or a, a young man and something flashes through your mind, you say, fuck that, I'm not doing that. I'm, it's a rat race. I'm not doing that. I'm not working. I'm going to be this and I'm going to be that. And I thought about Staying in Ibiza and becoming a hippie and all that stuff. <laughs> how how quick did that change? <laughs> About half an hour later. <laughs> when you came, you said, you know what? Can't do it, right? Yeah. It's the same in New York. New York's a really, really special place to me. Uh, I, have, I have friends there who's, who stay there. New Yorkers, uh, some Scottish people have moved it there. But I, I nearly moved to New York. Uh, I wanted to go and, and, and develop my video production business out there and I really thought about moving to New York at the time. There was a couple of, I had a couple of openings here and there and I thought about it and then, then I 
I just never. Two seconds later, nah, can't. No, I did think about it for quite a while, but I'm very, I'm very. I'm, I'm, so I'm, what I'm, would stop? So what, what, what would have made you say, you know what, I'm comfortable where I'm at? I, I still had quite a good career here. Um, I was, I, I never, I never ever wanted to be the headline DJ, the superstar DJ. I never ever wanted that. I was quite happy because my main DJ thing was warming up for DJs, and I warmed up for every single. DJ on the planet basically because I was quite adaptable. I warmed up for Coxie to, to Tiesto to David Guetta to the Swedes to to CJ Martin Tosh, they guys CJ was a hero of mine at the time. Uh, anybody, anybody, I just I was quite adaptable. And I quite liked that. I'm very I'm, I'm not really comfortable being the center of attention or standing up there. I just love DJ and I love playing music. I love pe- making people dance a bit like yourself. Uh, and the, the headline thing or the superstar thing didn't go for me. So I was quite comfortable. I had a comfortable life. I had a comfortable DJ life. I was still playing in great residencies. I was still involved in some great clubs, great promoters like Colours and Straight Raven stuff. And I was getting good opportunities handed to me. Uh, and that probably swayed me to say, just leave it. Just, just Stay where I'm at. at. Stay where I'm at, right? Yeah. That's, that's so moving along before we get to the good story, which we're going to leave in a moment. But you also have the classical part too that you guys put on, right? Yeah, we 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 actually had thought about doing the classical probably about a year and a half, two years before Pete Tong done it, and we never we just never went through with it. And then we decided to create a classical show, and we also made it on the back of, it was our tribute to the Archies in Glasgow because the Archies included, we, we, the Archies was closed very quickly, overnight, so we never really got to say goodbye to the place. And we thought that would be a good way of paying our tribute to it. And so we got 20, 25, 30 tracks of our journey and we got to tell our story. And it was phenomenal. We'd done the Hydro in Glasgow which is probably the biggest and most iconic venue in Scotland. Mm-hmm. Every band plays here, everybody. And uh, we also took it to another iconic place called the Usher Hall in Edinburgh. And we'd, we'd done it three times. We'd done three different shows. And it was really great to be part of something that, that uh, it was, I became a labour of love for it. It was great. I was really quite heavily involved in it. Helped with the... With, it was a team effort, but, but but it was just it was just so satisfying, so self-satisfying to see something that we had created, and it took six months to get there, getting singers back in tracks, working with some real musicians, uh, and then developing a show, and then basically putting it together and and, and it basically playing it to our fans. Who was who was the architect behind that? Were you the guy behind that? Putting the, putting the it was uh, a team. So the, 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 it was a team. There was a team. There was four or five years that put it together. Um, it was guy the the K class guys help us, Paul and Russ, uh, and there was a few others behind the scenes. But it's it's everything that was always done was always done. That, that's me and Bonnie there with our hands up. <laughs> uh, the, the, the real talent is actually the orchestra. They actually don't get the scores or anything till they arrive on that day. 
he put it down in front of him and they play it. And I was like, wow. We, I, I, I lived and breathed the whole mix for six months, been involved in everything there. And then these... These 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 musicians have never even heard any of these these classic tracks, and on the morning of the show you go, there's the score, and they go okay, and they play it. So there was no rehearsals. They're on the, the rehearsals on the morning of the show. Oh they shit! Run for the show, and then the shows at night. Wow! So they just got the sheet music that yeah. day. You got to remember a lot of these are maybe 50, 60 year old uh, horn players or or or. Uh, string players, and they get handed this. They've never heard half these tracks. And they go, there's the tracks. We've been practising. The singers have been practising. The DJs have been practising. The, the choir's been practising. And then these these musicians come along and they go, there you go. And they play Show Me Love. They go, they don't know how it works. They don't, they've got yeah, I'm, thinking, I'm thinking it was at least two or three rehearsals before these shows go on. No, 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 these ones. Probably Pete Tong has. You can see Pete Tong sees because they're creating something really special. Obviously, they've they've got a massive budget as well. Pete Tong shows are, are the are the benchmark. They're brilliant. They're so they're so good. They're so iconic. They're magic. The work that goes into them. Uh, I think it's Jules Buckley. That does it with them it's phenomenal yeah, but that, that, that was a really really per, on a personal note it was very satisfying to be involved in the classical show it was a real it was a real labour of love John and, question yep did the orchestra live up to your expectations when you heard them play the songs tell the truth yes, yes probably yes some of them are super talented and we did pick out a couple who weren't that, that good because they didn't get it. They just didn't get some of them. But most of them, 90%, 95%, really just feel like that. You go, wow, how how do you know that track? How do you... But they read music and they just go like that and just, oh, read it and read it and read it and playing away and everything. And you go, that is phenomenal. It's real talent. I'm, I'm, we are pretending to be talented playing other people's music. We're pretending there is a there is a skill to it and an art, and there is you do get good DJs and bad DJs, but the real talent for me is musicians. Oh yeah, usually because so. there's a there's a nurturing that has to be done that you have to learn. It takes time to be good at this product yeah. at, at your instrument to get really to master it. it takes many many years. Yeah. So sure, no, I I totally agree. It was it was great to be involved in it. It was it was a it was a lot of hard work. For everybody, but but we, as a team, we pulled it off. So, so on that one, now let's get to the most important one, which is bringing up <laughs> today's today's recent and twenty twenty one. I'm going to show the picture first. Okay, so this is crazy, guys and girls. They put on a Christmas rave at Ten Downing Street. 10 Downing Street. Everybody knows that's like saying, I'm going to go in front of the White House and put on a beautiful big rave party. Come join us. Let's see how John pulls this one off. John, go ahead. How did you pull this one off? So obviously there was a bit of a scandal here with Boris Johnston, who was, they were throwing parties in 10 Downing Street. And it was a bit of a real uproar here in the UK. 
real because there was lies and there was all, all, all different sort of thing. So I made an event on my Facebook as a joke and I called it a Christmas rave and I put the address on it for 10 Downing Street and I invited a couple of hundred people. And it was just it was just a piss take. It was just as a joke. Um, within 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 about four or five hours, it had a, a hundred thousand people signed up to it. And then it went for a few days and it became it grew arms and legs and it was every single paper in the country. It made TV in Spain, it made the TV in the USA, it made the TV in France, it was in every paper from Hungary to, to Ibiza to NME to Unilad, all these big lad Bible, they, everybody was on it. Everybody, there's DJ Mag. And in the end, in a few, maybe four or five days, I, I, to be fair, it took me really by surprise and I, really, I nearly ditched it. I nearly ditched the page because it got to 700 and I says, listen, thanks for everybody for joining in the fun because the reach... The reach on it was 25 million people. 25 million. That's where it went. And it was, it made the news, made it done everywhere. And I went, I need to get rid of this because I don't know where I stand on it. If this actually happens, am I liable for anything or whatever? But but I was persuaded to keep it. And it signed up. I went and I went, 1.2 million people signed up to go to it. Signed up to go to this rave. And I wanted to do something good out of it. Wait a minute. This is like a love parade moment. Like 1.2 million. You're now doing love parade. I think, it had about, I think it had about 5 million comments. 5 million comments I could see. And it, the page started to slow up. And it was it was absolutely nuts. Every I maybe had 20 journalists approach me looking for a story. And I never spoke to anybody. I left it. I just left everything. I didn't want to put myself in any any position. It would, would maybe be detrimental. So I was going to ditch the page, but I thought about doing a live stream. I says, maybe we could get something out of this for a charity or something. And the people, Ricky at Street Rave and stuff, was probably the only guys that would, would help me get it over the line. I wanted to keep it ravey. That's what it was, maybe Christmas rave, so... We spoke about a lineup, and it would be slip map. It was supposed to be alternate. Mark for alternate was supposed to do it, but so that that changed. Uh, who else? Utah Saints was there. Yeah, Judge Jules, Dream Frequency, myself, and and my buddy up here, Michael Kilkey. And we we done we done a live stream, and we raised one hundred six thousand pounds for shelter for the homeless. We done it for the homeless, but. That, that was it was it was a phenomenal achievement for what we've done, but I think it was more that people came together for this certain thing. It was really out of something really shit, something good came out of this. And people, people on my page would I could put a post up and I'd get five thousand likes within five minutes because there were so many people on the, the event page, 1.2 million people. So if I posted it, 1.2 million people would get that that notification. Where did you first post this so people can understand? And you do it on Facebook. It's on my DJ page. So if you go to my DJ page and then go to the events, the event is closed now. You can't do anything else. So if I post up something up, I get nothing back on it. But if you go way down and way down, you'll start seeing the fun. We had fun 
I was actually saying stuff like, I've had the minister from drum and bass on the phone. He's looking to put a room out the back. And we had jokes and everybody was, was calling it the cheese and wine party. And all these people were threatening to go to 10 Downing Street. And I was like, oh, fuck, I really need to watch what I'm doing here. But we've done a live stream and we've done a live stream with a green screen. So the videos are actually on my page, the green screen. So we've done it at different angles and it's actually outside 10 Downing Street. It was really well done. The production team behind it, done it, done, we've done a great job. It, it was great. Um, but we, we, we achieved... What kind of trouble were you thinking you were going to get into? That well, night? see, if, see if all those people had started going to 10 Downing Street because I had done an event, then I would have been liable if something had happened. I had to put a disclaimer on it saying this is not a real event. And then people started giving me abuse. Going, Why the fuck are you not doing an event? Why this? We want to go down and we want to ram 10 down the street. We want to start a fight. We want to be going, see, this may be a joke. Calm down, calm down. And it just went. But the, the fun on the page was brilliant. It was just so good. It was it was a really bad time. I think we just went into lockdown uh, again. And the, the Downing Street really took the piss out of everybody in the country, we thought. And and everybody just latched onto this and we just went for it. As I said, 1.2 million people signed up. It was 25 million people reach. This was crazy. It really took me by surprise. And we done something good out there and we raised a lot of money, which is 100, uh, $160,000. $160, off a joke. Yeah, off a joke. He wasn't even planning to do that. That's what's well, crazy. We, we tried to get everybody. We put it, we were putting it as if everybody that signed up gives us a pound, we get one point two million pounds for shelter. But we but it didn't work out like that. But eternally grateful for anybody that got involved, anybody that donated, anybody that took the piss, anybody that abused me, anything. I was eternally grateful, and the DJs and, and obviously Street Dave as well. They called you a scouser too. Did they use those words? Are they screaming at you? Oh, scouser, scouser, somebody from Liverpool. <laughs> they would call me. They would call me worse than a scouser. <laughs> <laughs> it was. It was just great. It was a good end to the year, uh, and we'd done something good, mate. It was. It was good because we'd done a lot of live streams during lockdown. Oh yeah, I know because I was being constantly asked to be given. To certain big events. I remember we did a big event for a million and a half people watched it. It was crazy. I was like, wow. I would never dreamed of doing these yeah, stuff. The, the Street Dave streams uh, were, were very good. We, we actually went back to the pavilion, the air pavilion. I, I hadn't been in it for 30 years. And we went back and we went, we, Ricky went and chopped the door and asked the guy. So that, that's the back of the pavilion. The front of the pavilion is at the other side and the sea's there. And it's all sand. And it's a beach, and we've done it on the outside on a big ledge. And those streams are on the Street Dave page. If you want to go and have a look at them at some point, anybody. But we've done it with a drone, and we had it, that was just that was something special. That was probably that that's that's a place called the Radisson Red in Glasgow, and we do we do streams from there. I do a couple of other different streams. One's called Guilty Pleasures, where we play real. Down tempo stuff to up tempo, anything from the cure to Barry Manilow to 80s stuff to everything, which is all mixed. It's all edits. And then we also do a thing called Electric Dreams. So they were they were born out of a lockdown. Lockdown was was lockdown was tough. 
Yeah. <laughs> Mentally. For 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 everybody probably in our industry. Look at that. Look at that. Just so everybody come to a party and they come running, right? It's like, come on. That that is so iconic, that sort of image to me, to, to the Archies. That was you, you would never understand how crazy the Archies was. There's there's a really good video that that I could share on your page later. And it's it's actually from Laidback Luke, who played at a colours night. And to be fair, he's playing a sort of cheesy track, which is Avicii levels. But it does, it does actually give you an idea of how crazy the Archies was. It's a three-minute video, and they take their tops off, they're on shoulders, and they're screaming. It's like a football match. This is crazy. This is and now, you got to understand something, people. I would come back to America and tell people this. They wouldn't understand what we were saying. I said, you don't understand. These people were going, they were crying. But like, for example, you play Where Love Lives and you yeah. shut the music off. They would sing the whole song and you bring it back in again. And it's just nobody can understand that energy that was coming from those Scottish kids. It's just really quite know. special. It's really, it's, I think it's us and the, maybe the Irish have this sort of, there is, there is parts of the north of England, but the, the further south you go in the UK, the tamer it gets. But the further north you go, the crazier it gets. That's that's it. Where are we going now? Now that we're we're on, we're coming to something called an endemic. Hopefully soon. What's the next steps for you guys? I, th I think I think we we should be out probably in a, in a well. I think Boris is is talking about lifting everything in a month, back to normal in a month, and then hopefully we'll see where it goes to there. In Scotland, we have the SNP. And Nicola Sturgeon is the First Minister. She's been a bit more cautious, which really does my head in, to be fair. I, I got it at the start, but she's been overly cautious now. Uh, I thought she dealt with the pandemic pretty well. But as it got on, it, it really, I think it ground everybody down. I think we started really, oh, So I think, I think going out of it, I'm hoping that the numbers come back. I'm hoping they come back because I've seen a lot of gigs where it's suffered, where they've still sold a thousand tickets and only 500 have turned up, which is really quite strange. I don't know why that, that's been the case. Um, I'm hoping that the clubbers get the confidence back into the, the promoters and I hope they, they push on. I think a lot of new new events will, will, be, will be sprung out of it. I think it's uh, a lot of Clubs, a lot of promoters have been washed away in the lockdown, unfortunately, and I, I feel really bad for them. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it, washed away. But I think I think there could be a few strong elements come out of this and a few changes. Do we change our way of clubbing? Who knows? Because I feel that people have created different environments. People have created a man cave. They do live stream on the TV. They sit and they drink. They're their own measures. They don't pay for a ticket. They don't pay for, for expensive drinks. They don't pay for a taxi. That may have changed it slightly because people have spent money in their gardens doing things. I don't care how much you spent on your garden. We I get that. Social. We still need to get together. It's crazy. People need people. People need people. How long can I be alone? <laughs> <laughs> are you? Are you? Do you? Where are you? Is it in the pandemic at the moment? Oh, I'm. I'm fine now. I mean, New York. The numbers have come down eighty percent. 
So thankfully, some of the clubs have opened. We're getting running again. But there was a moment during New Year's and Christmas, a lot of things were canceled. But we're starting to get back into some sort of regularity now. Yeah, we, we were we were pretty shafted at the Christmas New Year. In between, we, we lost a lot of gigs, which was a pisser. But I, I, think, I think we'll get back. I think I can see my DJ bookings. They're really, really coming in now. Uh, which I'm really chuffed with. I'm just hoping that, that the punters have have a faith in what what goes on. I, I hope they come back, and we just have big parties. Because there's a lot, there's a lot. There's probably there's probably fantastic music is going to come out on the back of lockdown because people have been sitting in their studios. Oh my god! Yeah, that's that because that's another thing. Like even for me as a producer, I will share this with you. Some of my best stuff I put away because we had no clubs to promote anything to. Yeah. I was afraid to release those type of records with no club scenes. Like, what do you do? You know? It's been pretty difficult to find where the music is actually sitting at the moment because there hasn't been much of a den- benchmark. So you kind of play new tracks out because you haven't really had an audience. So I don't know where the music sits at the moment. I think like comfort food, John, people want things they taste and know. I've been noticing things that are doing really well are things people can grasp. Maybe a classic that's redone. I've been noticing that during this time period. You know, a lot of old classic records have been popping in the charts, like huge. Yeah, I think think we we done really well with the streams due to the fact we done a lot of remixes of old stuff and that people wanted to look for a good time that they remembered. So they grasped, they grabbed onto something that was, that was, that resonated with them. And I think it worked very well. Stuff like when I watched some live streams, maybe some hard techno and stuff didn't go as well because people, people were in bad places and they wanted to remember good times and they went with the classic sound or the happier sound. Or, the and problem, I, think, the I think a lot of the kids, I think a lot of the kids want to, want to do that 90s side thing. Oh yeah, that definitely. But, the problem with the dark techno is, and let me be clear, everyone, I'm going to put the warning sign up. <laughs> don't, don't cane me with your sticks and don't send me stones and bad mail. But without the drugs and the dark atmosphere, yeah, it's difficult to have a stream. You can do it, but it's not the same experience of being in that type of environment. With others all doing the same. Yeah, it needs the smoke. It needs the atmosphere. It needs the thump for the for the, for the kick drum. It needs it. No, no, I, I totally agree. Techno is, is is for a club. Techno isn't real. For How a do club. you do techno with one person by yourself? You know, after a while, you're like, you know, this is going to be me. I, I think there'll be a load of good music comes out. Oh. Summer, I, I think, um, the summer, the summer should be phenomenal. This summer should be massive. No, I'm already everywhere. This should be massive. I'm seeing it just from my bookings as well. This summer, it seems like it's the time that everybody wants the people they remember. They they want the comforts of knowing that they're going to get that sound, those songs to sing to. Something you said in the beginning of the show, "Summer of Love." This may be that moment again. Yep. Where we have that, that where they say cyclic, it comes back, click, 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 
click. We're right there again, right around that time again, to have that again with the music, which will then make producers forge to make those records go that direction, the big tunes again. It becomes part of the whole landscape of our scene, you know? So tonight, you may see a lot of Scottish viewers probably switched off about 15 minutes ago. But they will come back and watch it later because it's a big football night tonight. <laughs> we must wish them all their best on this, on their football, I know. They'll come you know back. What? what did we miss? They'll run it back later to check what they missed. They, uh, oh, shit. We'll, we'll, we'll get them back on board. Oh. <laughs> But we definitely, I'm with, we are so thrilled that, you know, Colors and Street Rave and all of you guys are doing what needs to be done is keep this scene going because up there is, is most important to what the rest of the UK does. You know, um, a great party is not something that's easily comes these days. And when I say great party means music, staffing, club understanding your clubbers you know putting the right talent in front of them these are very important parts to making a great night for everyone and you know 30 plus years you guys have been doing it's a long 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 time feel old <laughs> i don't mean to i'm sorry i still love music but no you can't but you can't look well I, let me tell you something and you probably feel the same. When we all started out, did we ever think that we'd be talking about this? Not past just 1999, but to even talk about it in 2022. You know, it's like none of us thought that back then. We were like living week to week, month to month. You I was know? actually talking about something like this a couple of days ago to somebody. And I made, I made a quote as a joke. And I remember somebody saying it, it'll never last. It'll never last. That acid house music, oh, these are just kids. It'll never last. Still here, 2022, still here. And here's the funny part, people. So there's two types of clubbing going on. You got the young kids, and then you got all right, group. The younger kids. Yeah, it's crazy because I keep hearing about this like two, two, this this like apartheid thing going on. Well, some of the younger parties. Let's let's say young younger kids and the kids. Well, for me, it's the kids and the younger kids, the children's That's parties. We're, we're the kids. Yeah, we're, we're the younger kids. We're still we're still in training and learning. <laughs> As I, I, I spoke to you earlier, I, I, it never leaves you, Lenny. I don't think if you're a, if you're a real passionate house music fan. If you're a real music fan, I don't think it ever leaves you. Being a DJ, I don't think it ever leaves you. You can step back for it sometimes, and you can you can you can fall out of love with it sometimes back and forth. In general, it never leaves you. It's there. It's a passion. You're right, and I and I and I, I and I say this every time. God bless that we were given this chance from all of you guys for the Americans because you made us all superstars. All of you did. You helped create us a, a forum that America never gave us that kind of excitement around the whole America. Remember, the United Kingdom, you guys sucked us in and made us superstars. It's crazy. That, that was really weird 
that was really weird how we brought the American sound and, and bought into it and we paid very good money to, to all the American DJs who didn't get that sort of money in the USA. And I remember going to like Cielo and stuff and standing in the queue with all these American DJs, standing in the queue because they weren't seen as superstars. But when they came to the UK, we treated them like superstars because they were superstars in our mind. And then probably in 2012, 2013, we sort of sold house music back to America in the shape of the EDM, which was quite weird. We imported it, bought it off the Americans, and then it went back because the EDM sound, which exploded with the likes of the well, stuff. because you guys took the soulful sound of it. Yeah. And loved it so much, the R&B side of it, soulful, you know, vocal, gospel house, the whole thing. It, it never worked like that over here. It worked in small pockets, uh-huh. but not where you would have a club tour from all of Europe, including the UK. Like it just, you know, it was more like a techno driven sound here because right. at the time when that house music really blew up, you remember this, there was um progressive house in trance, yeah. which was pre-EDM. And that was doing the business in America. So Oakenfold and those guys were coming to our, Sasha and Digby were coming to our side and we were coming to your side. Yeah. Sasha and Digby would be Twilo residents, wouldn't they? Yeah. Correct. And that sound is what you noticed, the difference between, I would say, if it wasn't for the United Kingdom, I would never have the hit records I had, personally speaking. Because the music was so well loved, and the disco and the influences of R and B was, and the more north you went, the northern soul sound really encapsulated to what we did. It was part of the whole house music movement. But, but your, your track was one of the first on Defected, wasn't it? Powerhouse, Powerhouse, featuring what you need, uh, Dwayne Harden. Was it Dwayne? Dwayne, some that I. Dwayne Harden, yep. And again, and I was at the, it's like the end of disco, I say, like 1999, it's like 1979. You're at the end of the 90s. It's like, that was one of the hits I had at that time. But I mean, what a glorious, what a golden era. And then to go to all your clubs and be so loved and revered for everything we did was incredible. I can't thank you enough. Listen, oh. we were we were thankful that you came. We were thankful that you were making good music. We we lapped up the American sound. We lapped it up, and then obviously when when it moved on to like to defecting, and that's when it, it was that was a real golden era, ninety nine, two thousand, two thousand and one, ninety eight, fantastic, Soul Searcher, uh, Ministers Della Funk, stuff like that, Powerhouse, all that stuff was. was oh brilliant. yeah, and brilliant. then you know. It just, it just, it, for me, I felt like it was never going to end. It was that good because we lived it so long. And like you said, when EDM thing kicked in, I was like, no, 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 no. The, 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 the EDM, we, we were getting pretty stale here in the UK. And much as the EDM thing was frowned upon in certain quarters, it did give the UK a new lease of life. And it did give America because... David Guetta probably single-handedly conquered America. 100%. He was the first guy to come out with that first album that changed the whole game. Because he was, he, was he was doing a collabs with other people and he, he, he conquered, which was, was it the East Coast, which was playing all hip-hop and stuff. 
and they changed to the sound that David Guetta had introduced. And then it sort of exploded. Whether you like EDM or not, it did bring dance music back to the, the mainstream. To the point where it was ridiculous. Absolutely. <laughs> Ridiculousness. Hakasan in Vegas, $35 million for a DJ. It was like, huh? What did I miss? Where was yeah. I? Where was I on that one? How did I miss that boat? You know, it's like like somebody saying you hit the jackpot. You left the machine, and the guy pulled it, and it now hits the thirty five million dollar mark. You go, I've been working this machine for 10, 20 years already, and I, and I walk away. Ching. Yeah, I, 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 that was that was pretty difficult for a lot of DJs to take. I think where these guys. Somewhere, somewhere. Okay, so let me give everybody the detail of what was happening. So you had to have the blonde hair and the blue eyes. You had to have the Dutch look, and they were coming in from the, the Dutch were being loved and revered. So they were all coming in, the first ones, the first of it. Then it, it changed, of course. Afrojack is not blonde hair and blue. But that was the look at first. So they were, they were priming them out like superstar Adonis-looking nightclub DJs. <laughs> And then, and then touring them around America and all these clubs and all these type of like big festival type of setups, Electric Daisy, Ultra Fest, and it just blew up. It just got bigger and bigger. And because MTV, the television, and everything is hitting it, of course, and David Guetta's records were on the radio that really gave it. It was it was massive. It was oh, it was a machine. It was a machine. It was like oh my god. I mean, I give nothing but love for him to that. Yeah, but, but it was it was so far away from what we wanted. It was so far away from what it was designed to be. But if somebody was offering me thirty million pounds to go and DJ in Pakistan for a season, would I take it? <laughs> you go running. <laughs> You wouldn't even be even like, you tell me right now on this show, everyone I have to leave right now, they want me to go play now. I'm actually... <laughs> they offer me a half a million a week or a gig. That's what I'm that. Dude, $35 million to be a resident for one season. Come on. As exactly. much as Pasha was amazing in the in Ibiza, they didn't offer that kind of money to, no. to, the, to DJs. Never. Not then. If, uh, if the owner of Hakisan is looking for my number, it's uh... <laughs> Do you know the story about that Hakisan? I, I, I know some of it. I don't, I don't really know. All right. The part of it is that I remember was that the owner, I can't remember his name. He's, he's Arabic, of course, from the Middle East. He wanted to get into, I think it was uh, Steve, Steve uh, the guy from Rain, the Rain Club, which was Steve Wynn's club. The owners turned him away. Uh, no, the, 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 the door personalities would not let him in. Refused to let this man in, the owner from Hakkasan. So he, next day, he was furious. Called MGM and said to them, I will put a club in your hotel. I will bring the DJs. I want to destroy that club. Jeez. You could have the best club guys in, and that's what they did. It was all because of that. He was angry, the Hakkasan owner. Okay, so there you go. <laughs> revenge is sweet. Revenge is sweet, baby. He went after all of them. He, he was like, I'm going to kill you all now. 
This guy had oil money, from what I understand. It's ridiculous. They, he offered them fifty million for the club to put in the room, the place. <laughs> you give if I call Ricky and say, "Hey, Ricky, I got fifty million. <laughs> We're gonna do a beautiful club. We're gonna be the best DJ." Ricky will come. Oh, Everybody, everybody will come running out to prepare to do this club. Well, that's what happened. You got the best of the best coming to run in and say, right, we're going to do this. And that's how that Vegas thing erupted. Now, with Vegas, of course, because it's a big gambling town and the UK people love that, that place. I know that because they all come with their direct flights from London, Manchester, Glasgow. They come right to Vegas. They spend the week there partying. The big thing was, what clubs was I going to go to while I'm gambling? So Hakkasan became, oh, we have Calvin Harris. We got David Guetta. We got Paul Okafor. We got Layback Luke. We got, and the list went on and on and on. It was nuts. No other club could compete with that. Every night, another big superstar DJ. Every night, Every, like, was it 365 days of the year? It, it, it really, it really went to a place that, <clears throat> that would have, would have taken some money out of it. Of course, I would have was a DJ and making a living, but it was a, it really turned me off in the end. The it way turned that. everybody off. We were all angry about it. Come on. Every mm. DJ I spoke to, we spoke about, we did not do this in the beginning for that. We did it for the love of the music. They weren't doing it for love of the music. It would be more like a factory. It became more like a processing. You know, you're processing these stars. You know, and some people died from it too. I'm not. I mean, Avicii. Look at the end. His ending yeah. was like playing every night of the week. You know, he, he didn't really want to do this. In the end, I watched that film. It was terrible. Yeah, it I watched it. Terrible. terrible, terrible. Talented, yes. Did he really want to be a DJ and do all that? No. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. John, you are, and you still are, and going to be the resident, as we know, of Colors Group, Street <laughs> Rave. You're going to still be there when this thing turns back on. You're going to be doing whatever you do. You know, BBC Radio 1 calls you for a guest mix. Of course, you're going to give it to them. You can do what you do. I mean, you see yourself, you're never going to stop, are you? Uh, I, 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 probably, for the love of music, no. Uh, DJ-wise, as I said, I've, I've got a few other brands, which is Guilty Pleasures, which has de definitely taken me slightly in a different direction. I still do the house. But will I never stop it? Will David Guetta ever stop taking money? No. <laughs> Will I ever stop? By the, way, David, by the way, David Gett is a really nice guy. Very nice guy. Absolutely nice guy. And, he, I, and I have total respect for him. Hey, listen, he's played a... Dude, Calvin Harris example. I'll never forget this. I saw him write that one of the tracks when he was growing up was my record that influenced him. He wrote it to me and Michael Gray. I'm full into... I was gobsmacked. You, you just don't know what you're doing when you're DJing, how you, you, you know, how you become a selector and you show these people this art form. You don't yeah. probably don't even realize how many people you turned on to this art form, John, doing what yeah, you do. Agreed. 
agreed. It's very, very, it's, it's quite, it's quite heartwarming when somebody comes up to you and said, you changed my whatever, or, or we got engaged because we were there to see you as a DJ or, or you, your mixes. For instance, lockdown, the amount of people that sent me messages saying stuff that you, straight there, Michael Kilkey, whatever, what you've done through lockdown saved me. Saved me. I was in a real bad place. Uh, pulled me through. Your mixes were, were, were inspiring or just, but they were, a, they were a happy, they were a link to a happier time. And that was quite, uh, quite, quite, quite warming. It was great. As you said, you don't know how you change people's lives. That's what I'm trying to say. You, see, you, you don't know. And you don't know how many people you touch through music. Music is a healing of everything. Music will either heal you and it could kill you too. You put the wrong song on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you could put the most horrible song that make you want to put the, make you end your life. But music is an emotional tool. You know, if handled properly, you have saved lives and made people's lives. You've given their, their soundtrack. So I'm going to say this to you. Don't stop what you do. Keep doing what you do, John. Thank you. Hopefully. It's, 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 it's a great honour to be part of somebody's journey in their music. And if I've played any part in anybody's musical journey in a positive way, I'm, I'm, I'm eternally grateful for it. One thing I wanted to tell everybody, um, you mentioned to me that you also do video work as well and stuff. You know, can yeah. you touch on that so people know that you, you're a man? Yes, so I, 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 I've been doing a video. I've done it. I've got a video production business. I've done it for 10, 12 years. It probably takes more of my time now than the music does. Uh, any of the live streams that you've seen from the, from the Downing Street, to all the street rave stuff, to my own stuff. Uh, I was heavily involved in them. I would probably film them, edit them. <laughs> uh, just uh, that that's what I done. The lockdown thing was 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 a I worked very hard for no money. Could have done it for the love of it. I done, done the love of I done it for just to do live streams. But that's what I do. I do corporate stuff, I do everything. I do all the I do a lot of clubbing stuff. But that, that's 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 my main thing now is, is video production. Well, congratulations. And <laughs> you do it very good. You do it very well. And, of course, we'll keep watching your live streams and your live simulcast from the clubs and the classic stuff you're doing. And and I know there's going to be new stuff. Somebody's going to knock on your door. Hey, we got an idea. <laughs> you, know, you know, you know how that goes. Like, you know, we're still living like kids, dreaming that we can still put on this great, great fantasy gig. You know that, right? We're still yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm still 20 years old up there. We all are. I mean, I get it from Karen Alta and Lenny. Listen, they wanted you to play. I said, "Is it good? Yeah, it's really good." You know, we still get excited. We want things to be right. We want it to feel yeah. right. We want the productions to be right. We put our heart and soul into these things. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Absolutely. So keep people, don't ever give up. That's what John tells you. Don't ever give up. You as well. I'm giving up after I... <laughs> we love you all on True House Stories. And to everyone in the Scotland area and below... Here we! Here we! Here we fucking go. <laughs> HHF. HHF. Yes. But we can never give up because 
what the hell else can we do with ourselves? <laughs> we're, we're, we're unemployable. Yeah. I can't go work a regular job. Uh, yeah. For God's sake, could you all imagine that? Jeez. Oh, your own boss after this long, now I'm going to have to go work pushing a cart around? Unemployable. Absolutely you, unemployable. Didn't you used to play music or something? Was that you? I love, oh, I will say this though. Somebody said to me this past weekend when I played out, it's nice seeing some of the old names around again. The old names. I was like, yeah, that is quite nice. Well, which ones are you trying to refer to as the old names? Because I'm just starting out. <laughs> See, I, I, I come from a small village here, and, and the, 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 the parents were the ones who I went DJed with to start with. And now all their kids come to the gigs. Yeah. But the kids are coming. It's, it's, it's really quite, it's, it's nice, but it's, it's, it sometimes makes you feel old. So. Yeah. Um, I know. You start scratching yourself and saying, yeah, going, am I getting a little old for this? Nah, no, I'm okay. If they think I'm super cool, oh, here's the best my daughter would say to me, Dad, don't say that. It's not cool. But if I say it to somebody else, they think it's, no, no, no. But what, what's cool and not cool? Because I thought what we were doing was cool. No, but if you say it's cool, then it's not cool. All right, everyone. That, on that note, I'm going to wish everyone a good night. I'm going to thank Mr. Mancini, our Italian-Scottish correspondent from the Scotland area, who speaks with a bit of a twang. <laughs> I hope you understood everything I said. Understood I everything. Slowly. Clear. I tried not to swear as much and I tried to speak slowly. But thanks for having me, Lenny. It's been a pleasure, mate. Thank you very much. Watch John Mancini. Watch the Colors guys in Scotland. If you're up in that area, hopefully I'm up there playing soon with them this summer of love. We shall see. And to this, we just got a confirmation today. Another classic man's coming on. Steve Rains from Hard Times. We'll be announcing it for the next. Ooh, the Sheep Herder is coming on to tell us his story. As well, I, everyone that knows I played for Hard Times. And so did Todd. And so did Master Work. And so did Tony Humphries. And we all can say the wonderful things. Steve Rains will be here as well. And his accent's not easy to understand. I'm going to have to interpret what he's saying to the people, but we can't be more than grateful that Steve Rains agreed. And John, thank you as well to all the Scottish. Au revoir. Guten Nacht in Germany. Bonsoir and take care. See you all next.